This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's good! It's good! It's good! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball, turn, picks and flow, and touchdown. Hell is frozen over of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. All right, Saints fans, welcome into Inside Black and Gold. We are back at it. Steve Geller, Jeff Nowak, bringing you the latest on your favorite team that just took on their first preseason game against the Houston Texans. We, I think, expected a lot of the things we did see, and then there was a few unexpected twists in that first preseason game. But for the most part, a lot of things went the way I at least thought they would with the first team, the first teamers that were out there. Uh, We saw them move the ball down the field wonderfully uh, right off the bat. And I thought that the first team defense too was phenomenal without so many of the starters even present. Uh, It was pretty impressive that the Texans didn't even have a first down until the second quarter. Right. And they weren't even that close to it. Um, yeah, I think it's easy to be to kind of come away from that and feel like it was a negative result because of the way it ended, you know, because right. of the 17-13 scoreline, because the Texans managed to pull off a final, you know, game-winning drive in a, in a game that didn't matter uh, against the backups to the backups to, in some cases, the backups. Um, some guys just arrived on the team. It's always the first couple series that are far more important. And you look at it this way. if Would you rather have the first team dominate and then uh, lose at the end or have your first team do absolutely nothing like the Texans did and then sneak out a win to, to trick fans who didn't watch into thinking it was a good a good result. Because uh, I know which one I would prefer, and I would prefer to be on the Saints end of it. And we're going to get into a lot of that. Steve and I are going to go through our studs and our duds and our honorable mentions from the game that was played. We're going to kind of re-rank the RB3 battle because we got a lot of new information on that, um, you know, headlined by Dwayne Washington being the guy, apparently. Um, And then we're going to uh, close out with me explaining why I don't think Trevor Penning was that bad. I was able to rewatch the game this morning. And when I went into it, I was thinking, man, Trevor really struggled. Then I rewatched it and I was like, okay, those three or four plays that I, that we were brought to our attention were very obvious. Uh, But you know, the rest of it, I don't think it was that bad. So we're going to get in a lot of that in the final segment, but without further ado, our first Stud, Steve, who is it? I mean, it's got to be, for me, the red rifle, the man under center to start the game. Andy Dalton came out firing, looking fantastic. Five for five, 51 yards, led the team down uh, 
getting that touchdown with Dwayne Washington, and he just looked confident, uh, very smooth like we've seen him in camp practice as a guy that, uh, I don't know, it seems him and uh, Carmichael Jr., they might have that, that connection that we laughed about all the time, that Breeze and Sean Payton had together. Really, Andy Dalton has gelled well and, ass- and assimilated himself here uh, where it seems like he's been in this offense for a while now. And I don't know if he just, you know, obviously being in Chicago the year before and then with the Dallas Cowboys, obviously before that with all those years in Cincinnati, he must maybe appreciates the offensive line he has now. Uh, but I, I definitely super uber confident in the Saints backup quarterback situation. I'm, I'm not saying that Dalton's a guy that's going to supplant Jameis Winston. We're not talking about any of that still, uh, obviously. But if there is that break in, in case of glass emergency situation, we, we saw that Dalton can come in and seamlessly guide this offense. And that's, that's huge, obviously. He's just so steady, you know, and, and that's really all you can hope for at, at the backup quarterback position, right? And I think the question is, I have is, you know, okay, so if you end up in the same situation you were in last year, not that, you know, you will, but just kind of theorizing a a scenario that Andy Dalton could have a major impact. If Jameis goes down and all of a sudden you need a quarterback and you do you have a five game losing streak in the middle of the season the way you did last year? I don't think so. And, you know, even if you go one and four in that stretch, you're in the playoffs, right? So it's the, the margin is that slim when it comes down to it. And I think that definitely Andy really kind of showed on that opening drive that he can be a capable quarterback leading the Saints roster. And, uh, you know, he was not just one driving out. They wanted to see 10 to 15 plays from him. Uh, That's what Dennis Allen said after the game. And it just so happened that he led a 10-play scoring drive, and they were like, okay, that's all we need to see. And he's like, throw Ian in there. And we kind of went from there and – that was the only touchdown we saw. Probably wasn't the only touchdown they should have gotten, but there was a lot of turnovers. And that's why when you kind of look at the result and you look at how things went and you say, man, they turned the ball over a lot. Well, none of that was on the first team offense. Um, you know, they, they allowed a few big plays at the end. You know, none of that was on the first, second, or maybe even third team defense. Um, they shut them out in the second half until that final drive. So, no, I think I think you're right on with that. And I, I was impressed. Like I came into this offseason. He's got Dalton over here. Roadhouse. Um and might be I was <laughs> I, I was skeptical of like what Andy had left in the tank, but I think that he's proved me wrong. Um not that I again, not that I think he should be the starting quarterback or even wanted to be the starting quarterback, but I think that it was a very um it was a solid signing this offseason that I really questioned at the time. Yeah, and I kind of laughed when our very own Bobby Hebert went on air and mentioned that if Jameis wasn't able to play, he still believed that the Saints could win 11 games with Andy Dalton under center, and I might start believing that a little bit. Like if Jameis didn't play at all? Right. Not all about that. (laughs) Well, he said coupled with the Saints defense along with what, you know, Andy Dalton's experience – and, you know, confidence under center that he still thought that this team could be an 11-win team. Yeah. And, well, I mean, gonna... obviously it's a preseason game, but that was uh, – it seemed very validating last night. 
a little bit. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> if he can come in and win one game in relief, I would be thrilled. And that's really <laughs> all you can hope for from a backup quarterback. And I think that's what the Saints didn't get last year. They didn't get that one game in relief. You had Trevor come on in relief and win games, which I you know as a backup, that is really your primary role. But you didn't get any of those. You had five, uh, four opportunities for him to do what he didn't get it done. And that's what you need to avoid if that happens again this year. But What's anyway. funny, too, is we talk about the first team, obviously, offense and defense, and there was obviously so many guys that weren't even dressed last night. All, all your big names didn't play. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry uh, over on defense, Demario Davis, Teran Matthew, Marshawn Lattimore. The list goes on when you're talking about first team offense and defense. Um, it, it was just funny to me seeing uh, so many of those guys just in their sweats. And Alvin Kamara really took on a great role of being – kind of like a, a, a coach on the field for that for, for that first team offense when they were out there. Yeah, it was basically the one and a half the one and a half team. Like it wasn't the first team. 1. It was kind 5, of somewhere right. in between first and second. Um but that's but that's why the preseason is valuable because it allows guys to kind of step into roles and my stud is going to be one of those guys. You saw him on the first play of the game. You saw him intercepting a pass. You saw him getting in the backfield tackle for loss. He I think he led the team in tackles with six it's going to be Chase. I just show up in ball Hanson. I mean, where where has he been? He has not been on the roster. We recognize the name, but he can't hasn't been able to stay healthy, but he was all up in the, in the running back's grill. I think it was Marlon Mack on that first play. He just came in on a blitz and he just took him off his feet before he even found where he was. And that's just an ability that you, you want to see out of a depth linebacker, right? You want to see a guy who's just going to get up there and make a play who's not intimidated by that moment. And he did, and he seized it. And, you know, he, he had that really uh, really nice interception in the in the first half. It was I think it was a tip by Eric Wilson. He deserves some credit there. Another linebacker Absolutely. who I thought played pretty well. But, yeah, I mean, Chase, for a guy who has struggled to stay healthy, for a guy who just hasn't really had his moment yet in the NFL. I thought that was a really, really cool thing to see in a game where he really needed to stand up, and he did. Yeah, and that's a position that that's definitely the weak spot, if you would say, on the Saints' defense is depth at linebacker. Uh, other than Demario Davis, there's still question marks. We have Pete Werner, who's who's nursing that groin injury. Uh, I didn't see him at all yesterday. Um, I'm curious, you know, what's – Who's going to step up and be that guy uh, in in that linebacking core? We saw Chase Hansen. You mentioned Eric Wilson, who I think, yeah, that was a huge tip by him uh, to create that play for the defense. And, yeah, with Hansen, a fast guy, great closing speed. Uh, you mentioned that run stuff. Uh, I think it was like a, a two- or three-yard loss on Mac. Uh, and, yeah, was, hasn't been someone that has been at camp the whole time, was – just just showed up and a plug and play was pretty impressive. Obviously, been here before, so he's he's been around the team and is he, he knows this defense as well. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a veteran per se. He's been in the league forever. I, I can't remember if he's out of Wisconsin, um, but yeah, I mean he's a guy who you want to be having in a locker room. They brought him back for a reason. They had him here last year, and I thought he he had his moments in the last preseason and he couldn't stay healthy. So it's cool to see him back. Um, and we're, we're going to move on here because we've, we've already kind of waxed poetic pretty long about these guys, about our studs. Stud. And we're going to move on to the romp, 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 duds. Um, and I'm gonna, we're going to introduce Steve's dud with his words on his own performance after the game. And here it is. Uh, it was a slow start, you know, but just felt good to be out there. Um, 
preseason. You're going to make mistakes. That's what Coach said, and he just wanted to see everybody fight. I thought we fought hard um, as an offense. Uh, when you make mistakes, it's about rebounding. You know, we ran the ball really, really well, in my opinion. Um, you get rid of those turnovers that should never happen with QB center exchange. That's on me. And then, you know, the second pass, a little high, tip ball. That's just football. But um, that's the preseason, too. So we're going to get those fixed, and we'll get it working. I've, I definitely high. took the, the easy out in this segment with picking the stud as the quarterback and the other dud as the other quarterback. Yeah, he, the Ian, Book, the game. Ian Book was – it was a rough night. And I wonder if, you know, it was something where the, the, the nerves got the best of him for the most part. Uh, that that high pass to a guy that's, what, 6'4", 6'5", Jawan Johnson – He's just, he's six four, and he can he got up. He jumped. <laughs> he was off the ground. I mean, Zion Williamson would have had a hard time <laughs> snaring that ball. And you cannot say a little high. That ball was sailed. If he was throwing to Deontay Harris, it would have been a like clean five feet over his head. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we we, yeah. we saw the instances too. He he held on to the ball a lot. Uh, the five sacks for Book. That that wasn't. Uh, it wasn't entirely ideal, on obviously. him. I, I, I don't want to call him out for all the sacks. There were a few ugly moments from the offensive line, but he did hold the ball too long at times. I agree. Yeah, and then, and just obviously the inaccuracy. And at this point, I think it's it's clear for me at least that okay, say if Jameis isn't playing, and then you have Andy Dalton who gets hurt, who are you going to put at quarterback? Because ten out of ten times, I'm going to do Taysom over Ian Book. Yeah, it kind of feels that way because at least you can get that power run game. And the thing is, like, if he was kind of – if he had defenders hanging all over him on that play and he kind of airmailed it, that's one thing. He was throwing no. out of the cleanest pocket you'll, you saw all night. He had a wide open receiver. Juwan Johnson was standing alone. I tweeted a couple frames from the from the game on my Twitter account, at Jeff underscore Nowak this morning. It's like, man, it's, I, it's actually more painful to watch again because you see how just – that should be pitch and catch, right? You know, he was brought in and people kind of wanted to say, yeah, he's kind of in that breeze mold where he's six feet tall and he's supposed to be super accurate and he can move around. Well, Drew Brees wouldn't have stayed in the NFL very long if he couldn't hit wide open receivers. Um, There was a play later in the game where Kirk Merritt was coming through on a slant and against off coverage. And if he puts the ball on him, we have seen Kirk Merritt, what he can do in the open field when he gets the ball in his hands. He's a running back, but the ball was left clean behind him. So he had to kind of reverse and catch it and so he lost all of his momentum, and it ended up being – it was a reception. It was a three-yard game, but it could have been one of those plays you look at and like, okay, yeah, some positive momentum, but the throw was so off that it didn't have a chance. It was a play right before Tony Jones had that, like, beast mode run, if you remember, where he broke, like, four tackles. So you kind of forget about it, but that was a first down that only got three yards and should have gotten at least seven, eight, um, and maybe been a big gain, maybe been the Kirk Merritt moment of the day. And it wasn't. So, yeah, I mean, I was incredibly disappointed. But I, I did think he settled in. Um, I think he 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 works the right way. I think he goes about the game the right way. Um, I think he's a good guy to have in the locker room. But it's really hard for me to see a roster spot for him. Um, do you think height has anything to do with it? Like, does he have problems seeing over defenders? I think it has something to do with the trajectory on his throws. I don't think he has an issue seeing the the the, the routes because he was throwing to the right reads. I mean, he saw Jawan. That wasn't the issue. <laughs> he just didn't get the ball anywhere near where it needed to be. And that might be a height thing. 
But again, he was he was four yards back from the nearest lineman. He should be able to make that throw. And if you can't, you're not an NFL quarterback. And right now, it's hard to see him as an NFL quarterback. Right now, it's hard to see him as an NFL backup. And, I, and it's it's harsh, but I think it's it's the reality. But the good news for Ian is he's going to get his chances. He's not getting cut. I saw a few people saying, oh, he's going to get cut. Um, he's not getting cut. No. Not, I mean, he might be, he'll be one of the final cuts, I think, but he's not getting cut before that final cut down because you need quarterbacks in the preseason. <laughs> You're not going to run Jameis and Andy out there. They're guys you need. So he's going to end up getting a lot of these reps. Um, I don't know you know, why KJ Costello was completely out of the equation, but I get, I was wondering that too. I didn't know maybe it was just too soon for him with the team uh, to, to get in there. Uh, but I thought at least to hand the ball off, he would be able to, he would come in for in the fourth quarter with a little bit, but maybe because the, the game was still, you know, within grasp, you know, and, and you're trying to keep book out there in a competitive situation. But I'm interested to see maybe in this Packers game, what Costello could do and if that that pushes uh Ian anymore because he he is in desperate need of a bounce back game here against Green Bay. Yeah, we have a few questions. Yeah, why why did Ian Book play the entire game? And he really did. I mean he Andy Dalton got the first series. Ian was in there the was- rest of the way, which is rare to see in the preseason. But I think it's a combination of KJ Costello got there on Thursday. Right. I mean, he had, what, two days to learn the offense or whatever offense you're going to run. That's not an ideal scenario. I think that they brought him in just in case maybe, you know, Ian Book goes down with an injury and you don't want to send Andy Dalton back in there. You have someone you can throw in. Um, I just don't think with two days to kind of learn the, the checks and the reads, that's a tough sell. And you don't want a guy you these are moments where you want to go out there and like showcase your skill set. And I do think that throwing him out there not knowing the, the offense at all would be doing him a disservice because no tape is better than bad tape. And <laughs> if you're putting AJ in a position where he's going to go out there and just look awful, then that's not good for him, right? So I think they were doing him more of a favor by not throwing him out there, but I would expect to see him, assuming Jameis is not in play, I would expect to see him against the Packers, at least like, in the fourth quarter, there was no reason to leave Ian in there. If, unless you just did not intend to play KJ at all. And I think that's what was going on. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. It just, it felt like at least at some point in the fourth quarter, even that Costello was going to come in, but that wasn't the case and quite a, quite a different dynamic in, in quarterback size there too. <laughs> no doubt. Was a much bigger, much bigger dude. Yeah, and he's got a he's got a strong arm. I am interested to see him. I don't think he's going to make yeah, the roster, exactly. but I am interested to see what he has to offer um, because I think you know this is a moment for him. He, you want to see him get a chance in the preseason because he's a USFL guy. There's a lot of USFL guys. <laughs> Brian Allen had his moment, and then he <laughs> he let us flounder away. But he had that he got that highlight. He'll always have that highlight of that interception in the Saints jersey, and he will shut the tape off right before the next drive <laughs> when he got. Uh, the I think it was uh, John Stinskrim, which the broadcast crew for that game was fantastic. It was uh, Joel Myers, Jonathan Vilma, and John Stinskrim. And his analysis of that play was like, yeah, he was in man coverage. And then about halfway through, he decided, you know what? I don't want to play man coverage anymore. I'm going to stop. Um, he's also not my dud. So I don't want to tease the wrong guy. I, w- I will uh, say my wife even texted me the Saints could cut him now. That's how Brian angry Allen? she was. Yes. Or Ian Book. Brian. Uh, Brian Allen. Well, he's been on the team for two days. So that's exactly right. 
I think she, you got to let a guy get a paycheck before you fire him. She, she felt he could stay in Houston. He, she didn't even want to see him come home. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's the thing. The game doesn't matter, guys. The game didn't matter. Um, okay, moving on to a guy who should matter, but he kind of let me down there a little bit. My dud, Traquan, got to catch that Smith. Um, and I'm actually yeah. going to be softer on Traquan than I know a lot of people have been because I thought that Trey started well. He caught a third down conversion from Andy Dolan on that first drive that kept it going. It was a nice little stick route that he kind of just broke off, sat in the space and caught a nice 15 yard pass. Um, but then he was kind of absent. One thing that I think is concerning if you're Trey Quan is you were out there for 26 snaps. Marquez Callaway only played 15. You know, both of those guys only had one catch, but you, you kind of now feel a little more confident in Marquez in terms of making the roster because you know, he got taken out of the game. <laughs> that kind of, in, you can kind of infer uh, the value placed on a player by how quickly they come out in the preseason. And I think that's an indicator. Where he really let me down was when he had a chance to make Ian Book look a lot better uh, than he did in the end. And that was that perfect ball. If you want to complain about Ian Book all you want, that's fine. But he threw a touchdown pass. It just was not caught. Um, because it was a beautiful ball right over the shoulder in the back corner of the end zone. Traquan got both hands on it. I thought at first maybe it got knocked away. It did not. Um, I rewatched that this morning pretty closely. He just didn't catch it. And that's just not the tape you want to put out there. Um, but I will say that Traquan, if he makes the roster, and I think he still has a pretty good chance to make the roster, he's going to do it by doing things that other people don't want to do, which is block um, on that Ian Book interception. He's the guy who got the tackle. You know, and and that's the type of stuff that he's going to do that the dirty work and that's going to help him make the roster, you know, well, but I do think that now kind of as you look at it, I went into it thinking, okay, maybe Marquez Callaway is on the bubble for a guy like Dejon Dixon, Kirk Merritt, who might uh, pass by him and take that spot. I now think that that's Traquan on that final bubble spot and he's going to have to, it's going to have to show up uh, against the Packers and the Chargers, I think. I've been pretty hard on Traquan consistently, and I, I was actually came away impressed with a pretty decent training camp I thought he was having. He's healthy. And, yeah, exactly. And then you just see that inconsistency at wide receiver where there's, there's games that he does disappear. He's had some success, obviously, with this team, but just a guy that he's he's never able to string it together game-to-game kind of basis and – I was on – that was the, the sideline, uh, Saints sideline, where he dropped that ball in the end zone. And I, I could I thought the defender might have had a hand on his arm. Uh, I had to go – no, not at all. And I, but I did see the ball just basically go through his hands. Yeah, and he he laid on the ground afterward. You could tell he knew it. You know, oh, he, 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 he didn't feel like that was – Visibly, you know, distraught about it. Yeah, uh, he didn't get I mean, up, you know, looking for a flag. He he knew no. that he should have caught that. And for, you know, if you're the person that really, really wanted the Saints to win that game, you know, that touchdown probably wins the game for them if they catches it because they know that's the difference. But, okay, let's move on. Let's stop being mean to Traquan. Let's talk about a few good things before we go to break here. Let's get some honorable mentions. My first one, and I tweeted about this today as well, Malcolm Roach. If you saw, I don't know, I can't remember if it was the second drive or the third drive. I believe it was the same drive that Paulson Debo drew the offensive pass interference, which he should have been the stud. I don't know why we forgot him, but 
Paulson Debo was fantastic. Um, but Malcolm Roach, it was a screen pass. It was a third and 12. And he's coming from the other side of where the screen is being run. The screen's being run away from him. You don't even block that guy because you're like, he can't make a play. This is a 290-pound man. He's not chasing down a running back. Well, believe you me, he chased that man down. I have not seen a giant person run that fast since Hugh McGavin tried to run off with Happy's jacket. It was that <laughs> moment. It was like, that belongs to Mr. Gilmore. And it was boom. <laughs> he tackled him at like the 29. Sorry if that was a loud clap. I think he, like when they landed, he was at the 33. It was insane. A 290-pound man should not be able to sprint that fast and dive that far. Uh, and he stopped it. He forced a punt. I, I don't know if he would have made it to the first time, but he would have had a chance. Uh, like that must have felt like I can't even imagine what that running back must have thought was happening when he was getting, you know, dive bombed by a 300 pound defensive tackle 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. But it must have felt like getting hit by a truck. So good on Malcolm. You know, that type of hustle is hard to is hard to teach. You know, it's either you do it or you don't. And he, he's doing it. I got to say my honorable mention, though, is a negative. My my honorable mention was the Saints pass rush. You know, I, I expected a lot more. I know the Would defense be dishonorable. Was, dishonorable mention. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I, the the defense was obviously phenomenal. You know, uh, that first team defense. But when we saw guys like Peyton Turner, Carl Granderson playing so late in the game, I I was waiting. I was waiting for that big hit on the quarterback, and just nobody was getting home. I was curious of why the pass rush wasn't able to get more sacks. I think they only had one on the night. Yeah. I thought, you know, uh, you know, Malcolm gets an honorable mention for that play, but I thought the pass rush was um, suspect. And then the run defense was even more suspect. Damian Pierce looked like a star. Um, and I don't know if he is, <laughs> but uh, that's something that the team's going to have to clean up. But again, you know, this is a situation where you don't want to overreact. You were playing without Cam Jordan, without David Onyemata, probably the two best, run defenders on the defense. So, you know, I don't want to overreact to what we saw, but, you know, those depth defensive tackles, they're going to be there primarily to play the run. You know, you, the, they're saying is, you know, stop the run and then you have fun, right? That's actually what yeah. they say. It sounds corny, but it's what they say. Um, and they didn't do it, you know? So if you're looking for some criticism, if you're looking for some teaching points in the tape, I think it's going to come in how they handled the run game. I will give a shout out. I thought Tano Passigno was a guy that at least was able to apply some pressure and make – the quarterback uncomfortable, but yeah, like I said, to me, I, I wanted to see more of those flashes that we've seen from Peyton Turner and Carl Granderson, especially since they were, they were still around so late in the game. Going yeah. They played the a Texans, lot more than I expected. They played a lot going more than against I expected. The, Tex the Texans, you know, second and third team guys. But yeah, I mean, I think the linebackers had a big role in stopping the run in this game. And that's, if your linebackers are the ones playing the run, that means the defensive tackles aren't doing their job. Um, but one more, one more honorable mention before we get out of here for this segment, and that's going to be Dejon Dixon, wide receiver, Nickel State, three passes, I think 33 yards receiving. He was the team leader in receptions. He had a really, really impressive third down conversion. I think it was third and 13. He caught a pass for 17 yards from Ian Book. And I, you know, I said this going in, and I think this is why I'm we're being a little too critical of Traquan is there was been a clear connection between Ian Book and Dejon Dixon in camp. So it's not a surprise to me that they look good in concert with each other when they're out there. I went through my notes. I don't think I wrote down a single 16 to 10 uh, anywhere. So, you know, I think that's something that you kind of lose perspective on where, I mean, if that's Andy Dalton, Traquan might be a lot more involved. But that's, that's a good thing for Deja because 
Ian Book's going to get his chances and he's going to be able to go out there and shine and really prove his worth. And if he doesn't prove it well enough for the Saints, try to prove it well enough for 31 other teams that might be uh, wanting to claim him. So uh, good on him. I thought Dejan and Kirk Merritt had a few nice plays too. I, I don't want to forget about him and Destrehan kid. And I get uh, I'll sneak another honorable mention. I guess the, all, uh, all three running backs, I thought did pretty decent. All four running backs. I, I, you know what? I still consider though, Dwayne Washington is a guy that's on the roster no matter, I don't want to say no matter what, but I feel no, like he's his, on the roster. He, I agree with you there, he's, but he's, he's still, blocked, he thinks he's he can be a running there. back. So, but I get, so yeah, I'm really talking about that, that competition between the three because, you know, Tony Jones Jr., Abram Smith, and Azigbo don't have their spots locked in. Whereas, you know, Washington's space is definitely there with the special teams role. Steve got a little ahead of himself because that is our next segment. We are going to re-rank the RB3 race based on what we saw in the preseason opener. And it's going to be a whole lot of that. So stick around. 